Hi, you're listening to the Professional Speaks podcast with me, Craig McKellar, your host. As an ex-Big Four auditor for six years, I now run a specialist recruitment consultancy called McKellar Consulting. Throughout this podcast, I speak to senior leaders from the professional services community, past, present and future. These leaders work in accounting and finance, audit, tax, corporate finance, consulting, legal and investments. In the comfort of their own office, I will be posing questions to our guests to gain insights from them across a variety of topics, including balancing work and life, mental health and mindset, risk-taking and effective leadership. These insights will help us learn, be inspired, grow and ultimately succeed in what we want to achieve in our careers. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. Do you know, for the, for the past few years in particular, we've all been talking about diversity a lot rightly so mm-hmm. you know, we've needed to do that yeah. but for me that only takes you part of the way unless you're inclusive with that diversity mm-hmm. you're not doing yeah. the full thing um, and that's really important to me really really important to me um, I, I, I think there's a number of different ways you can be inclusive uh, and, and take steps to make sure you have an inclusive team or inclusive environment mm-hmm. actually that's the first bit it's making sure you've got the right environment at work it's a safe environment where people feel they can be open and honest Today I am joined by Vishal Chopra, who is particularly well known in the Scottish and UK markets for tax. His career has been working in practice for the big four and large mid-tier firms, and he first became a partner in his 30s. Now Head of Tax for Scotland at KPMG, Vishal shares his experience on the journey to partnership, what it's like in his role, and how to create an inclusive culture. So Vishal, thank you very much for being a part of this um, new podcast series. Thanks, Craig. Delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me on. No worries at all. And how are you, you doing today? We're on, we're on Monday of this recording, so you feeling good with the week ahead? Yeah, I think so. It's a busy time for us. Obviously, we've got the autumn statement coming up uh, mm-hmm. next week. So for us tax folk, it's uh, one of the most exciting days of the year, of course. Yeah. Um, so kind of looking forward to that with uh, interest. Not expecting much to be coming out of it, if I'm being perfectly honest with you. I think it's going to be a fairly benign autumn statement Mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. I think, um, frankly, there's not a lot that the Chancellor can do in terms of giving tax cuts. The tax take is already particularly high if you look back over however many decades. So he's not going to want to increase rates too much. Mm -hmm. And I think um, we'll see a lot of the the main announcements being held back until next year, much closer to a general election. Mm. No, I was just about to ask that because I remember maybe the spring budgets and auto budgets in the past, you normally comment on it in the press. <coughs> and um, I think most of the time, you know, you're you're right with your predictions. So, <laughs> you know, we'll have to see if, if, if you're right this time around. Absolutely. I mean, usually there's there's a few things that are kind of well trailed in advance. So you mm-hmm. get a sneak preview of what's coming down the line. Um, the, the government are getting quite good these days of issuing consultations in advance so you, you know the general direction of travel. So, for example, next week I suspect we'll get an update on a number of the big consultations that have been out over the, the course of the last few months. Mm-hmm. Great, good. Um, and just for the viewers and listeners, I guess, who, who maybe haven't come across you before, don't know who you are. So you're Head of Tax for Scotland at KPMG. <coughs> um, it's obviously quite a big role, it sounds like anyway. And so... If you could maybe say a bit more just about your responsibility in, in that role. Yeah, so absolutely right. That's my role. head. That's my title, Head of Tax for Scotland at KPMG. So that's a team of about 150 people or so uh, across the three offices, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Aberdeen. 
um, and that's a, a group of experts from corporate tax to VAT to R&D, you know, everything you would expect in a multidisciplinary firm like KPMG. Um, so a big part of my role is spending time with the team and also spending time with our clients. Mm -hmm. And those clients are very uh, varied as well, kind of from owner-managed businesses, individuals, right through to, to big PLCs and multinational corporations. Great. No, it sounds very interesting. And, you know, the journey to here is, you know, not been a short one, but um, do you, have you always wanted to be a partner, do you think, you know, from early <coughs> on, maybe in your career or even before that? Do you know, probably like most people when they start out their professional services career, no, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, however, I guess over the years, I have had the, the opportunity to take on new challenges and different opportunities that have helped shape what I enjoy doing. Um, mm -hmm. And then that's allowed me to pursue more of that. And then I guess at some point in my career, um, I realised that actually I can make a real difference in my role to the mm. team I'm working with, to the firm I'm working with and the clients. Um, and that, that's then led me on to take on further responsibilities, more senior roles, and find myself now as a head of tax for KPMG in Scotland. And ultimately, as a partner at the firm, I'm a steward of the firm, mm -hmm. trying to leave it in a better shape for the next generation of leaders that mm -hmm. are coming through. Mm -hmm. So by no means was this the, the uh, goal at the outset, yeah. but uh, it's evolved over time. So, And you've seen it's evolved. So as it's evolved, when, you've, when an opportunity has come up for that next you know, level up if you, if you like, you know, manager, senior manager, director, partner. Um, what's attracted you to, to, to take it? You know, because I guess not everyone makes it a partner and that's not just because, um, you know, they're, they're, they're not good enough. You know, some people don't want that some path even maybe to senior manager or director, partner. What's attracted you in the evolution of your career? I think at each stage, it's that point about taking time to think about what's important to me. What do I enjoy doing mm -hmm. and how can I pursue more time in that particular area? Um, over, I've, been, I've been in professional services for over 20 years now and different mm -hmm. opportunities have arisen over that time. I'm always very cautious in my approach to making big decisions. You know, there are those kind of butterfly moments when you think about where you could, what you could be doing in five years' time yeah. based on a small decision you make today. So... I'm generally very cautious as an individual um, and do take time to reflect on what I enjoy and use that to inform the decisions I'm making. Mm -hmm. When you say cautious, do you mean, are you speaking about your risk, your risk appetite perhaps or, you, or introvert, extrovert type of things? Or? It's probably more my risk appetite, yeah. um, which is, it's funny that you phrase it like that though because mm -hmm. my risk appetite is probably different in different scenarios. When it comes to my career, I'm very cautious, <laughs> mm -hmm. reflective and take my time sometimes, probably yeah. too, too long. Um, but in other avenues of my life, I'd probably take more risks. You know. You're not jumping out of planes at the weekend and things no, like that? Not no, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Um, and... You know, that evolution, you know, of, of getting to partner through your career, you know, going up the level, there's more responsibility as, as you progress. Um, and I've chatted to people about this in the, in the past, but kind of, you know, it's, it's obviously impacting those in, around you in your life as well when you get to a role that demands more of your time and more responsibility. Could, could you maybe talk to us about your support network, you know, um, I guess, in the evolution of your career or perhaps when you first became <coughs> partner and then as you become a more experienced partner? So I, I became a partner when I was in 2016 when my children were one and three. So 
fair to say had a lot going on mm. in life at that mm-hmm. time, as, yeah. as many people will, will resonate with. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie, it was a challenge to, to juggle things mm-hmm. and you know, get that balance between demands in work and demands at home. Um, one, I'm still juggling and, and evolving, and it will evolve. You know, my children today are eight and ten, so what they need from me today is very different, and, and that will yeah. change over time as well. Um, actually, she'll be listening to this postca- podcast, so I should start by saying the strongest support I've had over the years is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, but, you know, actually joking aside, um, she really is. You know, w- without the support of my family, I wouldn't have been able to achieve half of the things I've done over my mm. career today, and I'm really grateful for that. Mm. Um, really grateful as well for a strong group of partners that I work with, mm-hmm. strong team that I work with. You know, we can't underestimate the the power of that collaboration and that support you have around you on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, if I look more widely across my network, there'll have been people I've pulled on for support at different times in, in my career. Maybe they were at the same stage in their career or maybe they were going through similar challenges You know, in terms of having young family and, and finding that balance. Um, and even people at the other end of their careers who've been there, done that, and can actually help mentor me at different stages in my career. Mm-hmm. So quite a wide range of people, I would say, who've supported me um, along a journey that's just evolved mm-hmm. over time. And that's interesting you say that about, about mentors as well. Have you sought out mentors maybe when you've, you've thought, well, oh, right, I think I'm going to go for a partner in a couple of years or director or whatever. Has it been a stage and you've thought, I should seek out a mentor or is it coming is it coming quite naturally in terms of who that would be as well? Yeah, it, it more evolved naturally to be honest with you. I've never really gone out to, to seek mm-hmm. a mentor mm-hmm. as such, just to have a mentor. Yeah. Um, but there came a point in my career where I realised I could do with some external support. So the person who now I speak to regularly doesn't work at KPMG, mm-hmm. um, but it's someone who's been in professional services. Yeah. So has been there, done it, um, you know, is now retired. So mm-hmm. someone I meet up with periodically and it just kind of evolved naturally because I know him so well, trust yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he was quite keen in his uh, retirement years to spend time with me, helping me through my journey. Mm-hmm. Can I just ask on that, when you first when that person was first your mentor, were, they, were you working in the same firm or were they working elsewhere? Because sometimes people think if they have a mentor, like, you know, it has to be the company they're working in or you might think the opposite, you know, it has to be someone outside of the firm. It, in my particular case, it was someone in a different firm at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess it doesn't need to be right. It, yeah. I think it really comes down to what it is you're looking for from that support relationship and what that person can can offer mm-hmm. uh, the right person might be in the same team in the same organisation or external. So you know, similarly, I've got people within KPMG who help me in different ways. Mm-hmm. And um, on the work and life balance, you know, you're saying about the support network as well. You know, again, work and life balance. People think of that as you know different things. You know, to, to you, what 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 is that? You know, having a balance between work and life. Um, it, it's probably a number of different things. It, Part of it's definitely about balancing the demands at home with the demands at work and and being around to spend time with my children whilst they're young. They are still young and they do still want to spend time with me. I know that won't last forever. (laughs) So making the most of that while Mm -hmm. I can. Um, Partly it's around managing my own energy as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And as the years have gone by, I've become increasingly aware of the need to do that. And you you notice when you're operating suboptimally and you can take steps to try and rectify that. Does, does that happen when you maybe the balance is, you know, too much on work or 
not enough on work, would you say, and and you know you're not getting enough of a break to <coughs> to re-energize yourself. I, I think that's right. It's it's um it's identifying how you're spending your time. My my team here, let me say this all the time. It's um, time is our most limited resource. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it in, in many different ways, and therefore how we spend our time is hugely important. Who we spend it with, what we do with our time, and so. If I look at my calendar for a particular week at work and I've had a very, very busy week, I'll generally get to Friday and feel tired yeah. at the end of that, mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. Maybe physically, I've been, if I've been travelling around, seeing clients or whatever mm-hmm. it may be, or mm-hmm. visiting teams in different offices. So it's now it's about recognising the signs and taking steps to address that mm-hmm. during the week if I can, or making sure at the weekend I've got downtime to, mm-hmm. to recuperate as well. Yeah, that's important. And... Um, just as you were saying before that as well, you know, you've been in professional services for, for 20 years and everyone knows professional services, you know, it's, it's demanding, you know, it's not a nine to five job, whether you're in tax or you're an auditor in corporate finance or whatever. Um, so how do you, I guess, keep going? You know, how would you, you must be something that you enjoy about professional services, um, despite the fact that, you, <coughs> you know, through your career, you're having to juggle mm-hmm. the demands of it. Well, I think you've kind of hit the nail on the head. You have to enjoy it for, mm. for the you know for, for the first thing. Um, I think if you're in a job that you enjoy, finding that balance, find, making things work is so much easier. And I've been fortunate to to have that through my career, which is really good. Um, I, I think it's also just being flexible in in what needs to happen. As I alluded to earlier on, on a week to week basis, what I need from that balance will, will differ, mm-hmm. and that might be driven by. Uh, a trip to London because I need to go and see a client for a couple of days or something that's happening happening at home. You know, my kids are big into tennis right now, so right. You know, if they've got competitions or yeah. lessons or whatever, then that might be taking up some of our time at the weekends. So it's about being flexible around mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And I, I maybe just didn't ask it, but you know, what, what what do you enjoy about professional services then? You know, you said, mm. you know, obviously, <clears throat> you know, you've been in it 20 years because you enjoy it, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm guessing, you know, I'm assuming you know the career progression is one is one good thing about it. But what is it you enjoy about working professional services? Yeah, I, I'm generally quite a sociable person, so I like mm-hmm. spending time with people, like mm-hmm. getting to, to know people, yeah. I like getting to know my clients and their yeah. businesses. Yeah. Um, and from a work perspective, I really like the problem solving aspect mm-hmm. to what we do. You know, identifying the problems with clients and helping find the solutions, connecting dots, adding value to the business that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that part of, of professional service and the variety that brings as well, mm-hmm. which you will get in an organisation like KPMG, the yeah. different type of clients yeah. and problems that I alluded to earlier on. Um, I, I like working with a wide variety of different people, mm-hmm. different backgrounds, mm-hmm. they'll have yeah. different personal career and development uh, opportunities and needs. Um, I like I like seeing that over the years, mm-hmm. um, and and I like the the I think the professionalism yeah. <laughs> aspect. If you like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it, you know, from like KPMG, it takes you two seconds to tap into the subject matter expert or the team that are the deep experts on whatever problem your client mm-hmm. might be facing at that particular time. Mm-hmm. I really I really enjoy that, and I guess that feeds into. You know, the last bit for me is continual learning, which you mm-hmm. get in professional services. So, twenty plus years in in keeping or in a professional services firm, I'm still learning all the yeah. time. Technical, of course, because mm-hmm. the the law is changing all the time, but also softer skills, mm-hmm. and that will continue right through the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's one aspect of professional services. I think a lot of people 
sometimes don't think about, you know, that dealing with clients, you know, you're dealing with lots of different people. So it can be quite challenging at times, you know, so a lot of people like working with clients because they maybe, you know, they like people and things, but not everyone you engage with is maybe going to be a positive experience all the time. So if we maybe focus on, you know, maybe because you've just talked about there, you're con continuing to learn and you're, you, there'll be points in your career where you've had to learn from experiences that maybe haven't been so positive. You know, with clients, has there been, or are you able to share anything about clients that let you down or, or, or lied to you or, or, or something like that, that, you know, obviously you can't mention the, the names <laughs> of the clients, but, um, yeah. you know, has there been any instances like that and, and you can think of what you learned from it? Yeah, I guess, um, I guess first and foremost, I look at each one of these situations as a learning experience. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's disappointment in the moment, mm -hmm. whether you know, you've know you lost a piece of work or whatever it may be, but it's a learning experience and it's how you react to that yeah. and how you take that into the next opportunity, which which is what really matters to me. Um, if I think about losing a piece of work, you know, these things happen from time to time. And I'm quite competitive. I never yeah. like to lose a piece yeah. of work, but it happens. Yeah. Um, or you have to turn down a piece of work mm -hmm. for, for a particular reason. Um, you know, maybe you don't have the right skills or experience at a particular time. Um, again, in, in a firm like KPMG that's as big as that, that doesn't happen very often, but there might be other reasons. There might be uh, capacity constraints or time is against mm -hmm. you. And mm -hmm. I feel like in that scenario, it's really important to be open and honest with with your client. Um, I, I would like to deliver always to a high standard, and if I'm not going to be able to do that because of one of these reasons I've just outlined, I'd rather be upfront mm -hmm. with, with the business about that mm -hmm. um, and be authentic about it as well. That's really, really important to me. Um, but as I say, it's, it's then taking that learning into the next scenario and, and building on that. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to... T give us a, an actual example of, of a time when uh, it was a bad experience but you know you're, you're, you're saying that you can learn from from times like you're saying when you lose work perhaps and, and it didn't go the way that you wanted it to go yeah I think I think so I mean <clears throat> um, I'm sure no clients ever lied to us yeah. <laughs> um, but looks th things happen from time to time you're working on a project and, and mm -hmm. milestones are missed or um, you know, wh whatever it may be and I, I think it's just for me, having that very clear and open communication with the person that you're working with, yeah. um, I guess we're all trying to achieve the same outcome if you're working with your client or whatever it may be. Yeah. So how can we get this back on track? How can we learn for the next project that comes up? Yeah, okay, no, that makes sense. Um, and I guess, you know, going, sticking with the theme of, you know, professional services and you've, you've been in it for 20 years, you've obviously had, or you must have had opportunities to <clears throat> explore other paths so in industries as people call it and so maybe to come work in-house for for a, a company at different stages um you know ha have you had those opportunities or is there anything you, you want to to talk about and um, but i guess my, my my main question with it though is is kind of why have you not taken those those paths and stayed in professional <coughs> services yeah i mean i guess over the years i have had opportunities mm -hmm. to do that um and in each scenario, it kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier on in terms of my approaches to be very reflective in terms of what's important to me, what I enjoy doing. Yep. And, and the particular opportunities that have, have come up along the way are not ones where I thought I can see myself doing this. 
um, to advance my career. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's the opposite. When another opportunities come up to advance within professional services, actually that's been more attractive to me and that's the decision I've therefore taken. Mm -hmm. So I guess your advice to, if there's people in professional services, <coughs> it doesn't have to be in tax, but they're at a point where they're thinking, do I go and try industry? Do I stay put and, and go up the ladder? What would your your advice would be? You know, it's each to their own. You know, it's what you you enjoy, and if you have aspirations to progress, you'll know which is the best one. Or yeah, I, th I think if you're working in professional services, that's a, a kind of fork in the road that you will come across at some point, most yeah. likely. Yeah, um, it's not going to happen in the early years because you're still really learning, frankly, learning the trades, mm -hmm. learning the technical, and so on and so forth. But at some point, you get to a stage where you're you start to. Um, think about what really matters to you, what you're passionate about, where you want to, where you want to um, spend the next stage in your career. Mm -hmm. um, and at that stage, frankly, for some people, the right thing is to to have, let's say, an, an industry role, an in-house role. For others, it's to stay within the profession and pursue their career. There's no right or wrong answer. It generally comes down to mm -hmm. uh, personal preference. I think, you know, in the in the in the world we live in, we need people doing all of these things for it to work properly. Yeah. Um. And just going back to also your responsibility of head of tax in Scotland. So there's, I think there's eight or nine different specialist <coughs> departments which mm -hmm. will all have their, their senior figures, you know, their, their heads of um, that reporting to you. How do you, you know, kind of go about conversations with those individuals around, I guess, strategy for and making improvements in I guess the firm's goals and, and things, you know, without mm -hmm. them being defensive as, as, as such, because, you know, they're, it's their area. Yeah, they're yeah. a specialist in that maybe you're not. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it starts by, it starts with everyone having a common goal. We're all working towards the same thing. And so when we start our financial year, we do sit down and we talk about what the, the business plan is for the year yeah. ahead. And, and that will be common across the different teams that you've just referenced. <clears throat> Each individual team will then have their own nuances. You know, this particular team might also want to focus on X, and that particular team might be thinking Y is a, a thing for them to be working on. Um, but ultimately, we have the same outcome, the same aims. Rather, we're all aiming for the same outcome here, mm -hmm. and then that means we're all moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. My role thereafter is largely around keeping in touch with the different teams to find out what's going on, how are things progressing, where are the challenges that we can take steps together to overcome, what's really working well that we can leverage in mm -hmm. other parts of the business. Um, so I'm coming at it from a position of being inquisitive, yeah. but trying to support as well. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, though, empowering those teams, people at all levels, empowering people in those teams to to implement the business plan in their own way, because everyone plays a part in that. Mm -hmm. And if we set out that vision up front, this is the team business plan, it kind of drills down and everyone knows what their role can be uh, in delivering that. Okay, and, and would you have those conversations individually or you know, is it eight or nine people sitting around the table and, talk, and talking about it? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> all, all of the above. So, yeah. you know, there's no one size fits all, I yeah. think. Sometimes it's one-on-one -on -one conversations, sometimes it's part of a bigger group. We get together as a leadership team, for example. Um, it's about, for me, it's about creating an environment there where people are engaged, they mm -hmm. can contribute. You know, we can talk about what's working well, we can talk about the areas that are not working so well that we need to take steps to improve. But it's about empowering people and engaging people. Mm -hmm. I certainly don't have all the answers and I don't proclaim yeah. to have all the answers. Mm -hmm. So um, 
we regularly seek feedback in different mm-hmm. ways from our team to mm-hmm. to learn yeah. and listen to what's going well and okay. what needs to be improved. Is it true to say, though, <coughs> that you know, there comes a point where you know you're the key decision maker? So maybe you and another um, senior person are talking about something. Perhaps there's a difference of opinion. You know, not an argument or anything, but you know, difference of opinion, and you've just got to make a call mm-hmm. on it. Um, mm-hmm. And, and there's other instances where you may you maybe have to make a decision that that is not favoured by the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it comes with the territory. Sometimes when you're yeah. in these leadership yeah. positions, you've got to make decisions yeah. that you know not everyone will like. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my my approach to those scenarios, or where you are having a conversation, there's a difference of opinion, is to consult consult widely. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't have all the answers. My view is not necessarily the right view. So if you're consulting widely from a diverse pool of people, you're going to get a diverse um, group of responses coming back to inform that decision. Mm -hmm. Um, And don't rush, you know, don't rush it. Kind of my, like my career decisions, don't rush into those decisions. Mm -hmm. Think about it long and hard Mm -hmm. um, before we act. And kind of sticking on that inclusive culture, you know, so you've been at a few firms, you know, um, not lots, but I think this is your third firm in (coughs) in 20 years. Mm -hmm. So whether it's here or previous ones, you know, how have you, helped create an inclusive culture where people you know do feel comfortable to voice their opinion and and like have a voice you know yeah. you know I know you um can have a goal as as a firm but how do you as an individual you know do that there'll be people listening to us viewing this who might be a partner or soon to be a partner or have an aspiration or maybe even work in another company in finance or whatever, mm-hmm. that they want, and they've got a bit of work to do to, to get that culture going. Yeah, you know, for the, for the past few years in particular, we've all been talking about diversity a lot, rightly mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. You know, we've needed to do that. Yeah. But for me, that only takes you part of the way, unless you're inclusive with that diversity, mm-hmm. you're not doing yeah. the full thing. Um, and that's really important to me, really, really important to me. Um, I, I, I think there's a number of different ways you can be inclusive. Uh, and, and take steps to make sure you have an inclusive team or inclusive environment. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's the first bit. It's making sure you've got the right environment at work. It's a safe environment where people feel they can be open and honest. Mm-hmm. They can speak up. For example, they have an opportunity to contribute. Mm-hmm. To the point I was saying earlier on, you know, we, we, we seek feedback from our people. Um, we, we have a number of different employee forums, for example, where, so nationally, you know, our, our people can get involved in these forums and be the voice of the 17,000 plus people across the UK at KPMG yep. speaking directly to the leadership team about the things that matter. Mm-hmm. So that's one example. Um, there's a bit in there as well about personal bias, you know, mm-hmm. understanding what that looks like. And of course, that can be conscious or unconscious. Um, so to knowing what that looks like um, and, and making sure that working culture is one where people feel confident enough to challenge yeah mm-hmm. and that's just with just saying that to them saying you know, listen you you can raise anything you've got the, you've got the platform to do that there's there's no my way or the highway um, and you're just communicating that to people yeah uh, absolutely encouraging and, then, it. and then living and breathing that as well yeah and making sure you're actually following through with that so when you get that challenge back when you when people do speak up mm-hmm. they do so in a, in a safe environment and mm-hmm. you act on that accordingly mm-hmm. now as Head of tax as well. You, you said that I think there's 150 people mm. in, in, in Scotland, in yeah. Scotland tax. So a lot of people, you know, you, you, and 
I'm guessing you can't, you know, have one-on-ones with everybody you know, all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, but, you know, mental health is also a big thing and that's certainly in, in the last several years it's become um, even bigger, which is a fantastic thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've talked about work and life balance, which is important. How do you, I guess, get to know people well enough to know if they are doing well mentally? And, you know, maybe maybe focusing on the people that you talk to often, you know, your direct reports, um, is there a way that, that you, you do that? Yeah, I, I think um, th- there's no one size fits all here. There, and there'll be lots of different things that will work for lots of different people in different ways. And we, we do need to find the right balance for individuals. Um, I think it comes down to relationship built on trust. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that solid foundation, then it really, I don't think you're going to make much progress there. So again, it comes back to creating that safe environment for people where they can be open and honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in conversations with you. Um, you're right, it's a big team, so I don't have one-on-one conversations with 150 people, yeah. but I'm fortunate to have a big team of people around me who can help with that, and we all support each other so that mm-hmm. if things do crop up, we're taking the right steps to support our, our people mm-hmm. uh, and we're, we're sharing the burden and learning from each other as well what's working well and what isn't. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I'm assuming, you know, um, well, I know KPMG do it, but, you know, you'll have socials as well, and which helps the bonding, because, I mean, I... I you know, I used to work in professional services as mm-hmm. well at Big Four. And, um, you know, if you don't have those socials, you know, you can just be, you know, at your laptop and, and not mm-hmm. really getting to know people um, if you're not talking out of out of the work that you're doing. So that's obviously an important thing as well. Very much so. And we do different things throughout the year, um, you know, within teams and across teams to make sure that we are all doing things differently to get to know each other outside of work. Um, so absolutely, I think that's hugely important. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 doing and doing different social events as well. You know, they don't you know, go on other days where you get to a Friday and everyone goes straight to the pub. You know, that that's not really yeah. the, the yeah. culture anymore. It's different things that genuinely give people the opportunity to get to know their colleagues mm-hmm. in different ways. Some of that can happen in the office as well, right? So we can be very intentional about how we spend our time together in the office. Whether that comes down to seating plans or you know yep. cordoning off areas for specific teams, whether it comes down to organising days where specific teams can sit next to each other, all of these things can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. And you know, who checks in on you as well? You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to to work in a big leadership team at KPMG, so I do have the support of. You know, people, my peers down south, for example, mm-hmm. who, who look after the other regions or uh, people looking after different teams. E- even the guys locally, to be honest with you, you know, the, the leadership team that I work with in Scotland is a huge support for mm-hmm. me. Um, and I lean on them regularly in work. Um, no, so understanding people, having yourself un- understood, I guess, having that, that yes. culture, that platform to be open, to be vulnerable, to be transparent is... Is, is really important in, in companies and having the social aspects is, is important to develop those relationships and, and that trust as well. Um, so obviously, you know, working with people is a really important thing. And in your role and in maybe previous roles, you would have had responsibility to build teams as well. So kind of coming, talking about hiring and hiring the right people. If we're focusing on maybe senior people, if you're hiring senior managers or, or directors, people who are maybe a potentially you know, a few steps only away from a partnership role, what do you look for in people that come in at that level? Uh, that's an interesting question. I guess 
you know, part of it's definitely the technical side of things. In, in my world as a tax advisor, that's that's important. It kind of needs to be a given at a certain level. Mm-hmm. We test that, of course, mm-hmm. do competency testing. But, you know, if, if you move beyond that, a big part of it is the fit with the firm, the yep. culture. Um, so, you know, we get to know people who are interviewing for roles at KPMG. Um, big part of it is diversity as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we want people from diverse backgrounds mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've been at KPMG for the last three years. If I look at the people we've recruited in that space in this team, they come from all backgrounds. Yep. Uh, you know, people who are coming from other professional services firms, from roles in industry, from other countries. They've mm-hmm. travelled and relocated to the UK, so you know they are bringing different things to the table as well. And it is largely around um, the different skills and experiences they bring, mm-hmm. which are really valuable. It's mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be that, you know, you've got to be an accountant, studied a, a, yeah. a degree at university and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's having that diverse uh, pool of skills. Mm-hmm. And if somebody, so you're looking for technical competence, you're looking for diversity of skills um, and backgrounds and experiences. But if you're looking at somebody who could be, you know, next year's director or one day a partner, what is it you're looking for in those people. So for listeners and viewers who have these aspirations, what are partners <coughs> looking for apart from technical competence and um, and I guess diversity of, of experience? What advice maybe do you give people to work on? I mean, it's probably no surprise that some of the things that are important to that role are what we've touched on so far here today. Mm-hmm. You know, things like spending time with clients, mm-hmm. having that inquisitive nature, um, being passionate about growing and developing the team, Yep. You know, all these kind of things really start to make you a great leader mm-hmm. and are attributes that if someone's on that journey aspiring to get to that leadership level, um, it's worth thinking about at, at an early stage. How can they get those opportunities now to put them on the right path so they're in the right place at the right time? Mm-hmm. And obviously not everybody wants to progress or, or it can change. You know, they might not want to when they do or they do and they yeah. don't want to. Yeah. Um, so for, th- for those people that you invest in, um, do you find that people are quite upfront about, I want to get to that level or I don't want to get to that level and then, you know, it's, 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 it's okay for you or it makes it makes it easier knowing or? I think for the most part, people probably don't know yeah. where, they, where yeah. they want to get to and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, that's more often than not the case. Um, our job, and we spend a lot of time doing this, is is trying to be proactive with people around their career development and understanding what makes them tick and what they're passionate about and what they want to do less of and taking steps to um, make sure they're working in the right space within the business. Mm-hmm. So we've got a great track record. You know, if I think about people on my team who've gone on to do different roles within KPMG, for example, quite quite varied, You know, not necessarily a tax role in another part of the business, but things that are a wee bit left field but it's all stemmed from early conversations to understand what they actually want to do. You know, where do you see yourself in five years' time? You know, where do you want to be? Well, let's start today to map that journey for you and give you the right opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that people um, might not know whether they want to mm-hmm. get to partner or not. Mm-hmm. It's about the journey and the career and the role and the opportunities that they're given along the way. Mm-hmm. And when people at those levels let's say, you know, in, in any good business, there's 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 good people and sometimes those <coughs> good people want to mm. leave, you know, for another opportunity elsewhere outside the firm. 
Um, how do you how do you deal with that, particularly if it's somebody that you thought would be brilliant for the next step up, or mm -hmm. um, they're brilliant because they're really developing the team, and now we're losing them? You know, yeah. how, how do yeah. you deal with, with that? Yeah, look, you, you never really want to lose good people in, mm. in your team, um, regardless of their seniority in that team. So, um, you know, that that's one thing. Um, over the years, I've seen some really good behaviours, but I've also seen what I would call poor behaviours, mm -hmm. where people have resigned and, and how others have reacted. And I use that to inform how I now treat people who, who resign yep. from their current role. Um, I think overarch, you know, the overarching point there is to be respectful mm -hmm. of people's decisions. You've got to recognise they're not taking these decisions lightly. Mm -hmm. okay? It is coming back to that butterfly effect I said earlier on. The decision you make today influences what you're going to be doing in five years' time, where you're doing it, how you're doing it, etc. So I think you've got to be respectful um, of people's decisions. A big part of being a leader is um, supporting people with their personal development, their career development. Mm -hmm and therefore understanding what the right thing for them is. Sometimes the right thing for them is to move into that other role. It might be in a different team within your organization, it may be external to mm -hmm. your organization, but actually just thinking about what the right per what the right thing for that person actually is. Um I think I think if you're I think if you're kind to people, karma will pay you back in due course. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think you know my job obviously being a recruitment consultant for many firms, um, sometimes people get offers and they're excited by it. And then later on, you know, when they go to resign, they decide to stay where they are um, once they've spoken to their senior leader. And, you know, often I think, oh, I wish I was a fly on the wall in that room <laughs> and to hear what was said. And, you know, so, so are you saying that when people resign, good people, you're not getting them, you know, to, uh, you know, stay for this reason, but, you, you know, you're, you're saying, you want to understand why they're making that decision and also thinking about their aspirations for their career. And then, and then if you think, yeah, that makes sense, you, you'll be supportive. Or if you think they should stay, you would also voice that opinion. I think, I think you're right. It's about understanding what's behind the decision, trying mm -hmm. to unpick that. What are the drivers? I often talk about push and pull factors yep. when someone's made a decision like that. What are the factors that are pushing you away from current role? What are the factors that are pulling you towards that other role? Um, so trying to understand the drivers is a re really big part of that conversation. Um, mm -hmm. Because when you understand that, there may be things that you can do in the current role to address that. Mm -hmm. I mean, not, and I guess you can only really react once you understand what's really driving someone to make that decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that as well, you know, and I think in my, my role, I, my aim is to help people progress in their career, you know. Um, and obviously with, with what I do, it's, it's, it's moves, isn't it, um, with, with, between firms. So um, it's, always, it's always interesting to hear what people want to do. Um, I always tell people that if you're just you know, moving for financial reasons, it's, it's not really the best thing to do because you're going to get to a point where it's not really going <coughs> to make much of a difference and you've got to think more long term, which I think Absolutely. is what is great about working in professional services because there's a lot of investment that goes into people's careers and a lot of opportunity to develop mm -hmm. not just in terms of progression of, of role of title but other other ways that you can be developed as well that, that might not be out there in, in industry yeah i think you're spot on it's taking that longer term view and that's what it comes back to you know 
where do you want to be in three years' time, five years' time? What do you think your career is going to look like? What experiences are you looking to have? Because mm-hmm. um, often, often you find when someone's making that decision to move into a different role, it's a short-term outlook they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually t- taking a step back and thinking about that longer-term view often gives a different uh, slant on things. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know if you would agree with this, but, you know, if whether you're in industry or, or you're in professional services, if you want to progress a senior level, it's going to demand a lot from you um, in terms of you know time as as well as, well as other things. Um, so you know you've you've got to work out how you also stay mentally strong, and I think coming into that is probably the the work and life balance that we've mm-hmm. that we've been <coughs> talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you said you try and. Um, look at how you can have a balance and obviously you've got family to, to think of and you don't want to miss on, out on events and mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other ways that you try and stay, you know, mentally positive, you know, um, just just to keep you going in your, in your job? <laughs> I think... Um, and, you know, I've been, <clears throat> I've been a, a dad as well and a wife, a, a husband. <laughs> I, I get asked that question um, every now and then, actually for people, you know, when they're taking on new roles and new senior roles mm. and... There's no one size fits all again. It really will depend on the particular individual. For me, it's about challenging how I spend my time, yep. where I spend my time. And that may be, you know, what time I start my day, what time I finish my day, so I can spend time with my children before they go to bed. Um, I try my best not to work at the weekends. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't always happen that to work yeah. a little bit this weekend, but I really try my best not to work at the weekends so that I can get that mental break from five busy days. Take a mental break. Can I ask just on, on that, is that is that something you tried to do from early on in your career or I probably started doing being very intentional about it when my first child was born, so ten okay. years ago. Okay. <clears throat> I remember coming back and of course at that stage life is chaotic, as yeah. you well know. Yeah. Um so I remember I remember coming back to work thinking, right, you know, I, I need to change how I'm operating here so that I can be home mm-hmm. to do what I need to do uh, back at home. And I've probably just kept that mindset. It's evolved massively o- over the years. And I'm not saying I've got it right by any means. I'm still learning and practicing different things. But um, but that, that works for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it might not work for someone else. Yep. Someone else might decide they want to spend all day Sunday mm-hmm. catching up before the week starts. You know, it really depends on the individual but for me it's um i would prefer to start early earlier in the morning finish at a sensible time to see my children at the weekends actually i don't often have a choice because i'm busy um being a taxi to yeah. from different <laughs> classes and so on mm. um but that but that works for me that works on my calendar mm-hmm. and uh you know we've talked about your career and you know you've you've taken opportunities to progress and obviously that you've got a drive and you know, motivation, ambition to, to progress and, and succeed. So I like to end my podcasts uh, with just asking the question kind of what goal do you have you know, to achieve in the next 12 months? And that can be personally or it can be at work. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, I guess ironically, despite what I said earlier on, I probably don't have a five-year plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't know exactly what I want to be doing in five years' time, but I do know that there will be opportunities for me at KPMG in different areas. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, as I've alluded to earlier on, I will continue to think about what that could look like and shape it with the people that support me. Um, but, you know, from a, from a work perspective, we're going through some tough economic times right now. 
Um, so my, my short-term focus over the next, say, 12 months is to help my team and help my clients navigate those yep. kind of choppy waters that are ahead, uncertainty in the market. Um, personally, outside of work, probably two things I'm trying to do to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently started jogging, which well is done. not something I've ever done. <laughs> um, not sure I love it yet, if I'm being <laughs> honest, but I'm keen to see... I'm keen to see what uh, what I can make of that, and reading more. Um, it's a good one. I yeah. guess with young kids, you know, I don't mm. always get the opportunity to read as much as I would like. Mm-hmm. So I'm really challenging myself at night time. Put the technology down and pick up a book instead. Great, good. Well, really enjoyed the chat. So thank you very much again for your time. Likewise, thank you, Craig. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Professional Speaks podcast. Remember, you can watch the episode recording on our YouTube channel. And if you can, please do subscribe and share with all of your friends. The more people who listen to this, the more guests we can have on to share so that you can learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what you want to achieve in your career. Please also contact me if you have any feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you.